Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from everything and anything. Get that backwards. I did. Whatever. We also learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name is Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. The Todd Father. And we have a great episode for you today. Actually, I think the reason why I messed that up is because we're doing so many of these episodes this Guys, month. so Caleb's a slave driver, and he's making us do five or six intros and outros, literally more than that, in one sitting. Thanks for taking away the mystery of it, Todd. What a jerk. As Todd mentioned, we actually you didn't mention this. We're releasing two episodes all throughout the not all throughout the whole month of June. We're releasing two episodes a week. Every week. Throughout the entire Eight episodes. month of June. Boom. And today's stick that in your pipe and smoke. And it. Today's guest is Joseph Sojourner. AKA, AKA Sojo. Now Sojo, he does so many different things. He's what the, doesn't he do? He is the CEO of Opposite Entertainment. He's been the host for the Catalyst Conference, for Big Stuff Camps, for uh, for the Orange Conference. And he's just an incredibly well-dressed dude. Exactly. He's just... What a guy. What a guy. Exactly. So I'm super pumped for this episode because... You know, I feel like I feel like Sojo has, like we said, he has this kind of his finger on the pulse of a lot of different things. And one of the major things right now is culture. Um, he's really he's really kind of watching what's going on, and, and we talk about all sorts of stuff um, in this episode. It was just a, a really great time to be able to sit and just kind of go back and forth on what we see happening in culture, both in not and not just in hip hop culture, which I, which is a piece of what we talk about, but just culture at large. Great, great time talking with him. But Caleb, we have a resource this week. We do have a resource this week. And Todd, you know I like to read books. I do know that. And this is a book. And it is, I feel like I've been reading so many good books recently that I'm kind of at the point to where it's like, I don't know what's going to be in like my top books of the year. But this book that I'm talking about is so, 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 so good. And it's called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. Phenomenal. And it's by Austin Channing Brown. And it's all about her experience growing up as a black woman and everything that she's had to face. And it is, it's powerful. Guys, and the ending to that book is trippy. That's all I've got to say. You need to go and buy it because it is going to really shake the foundations of some stuff that, that you may believe. It's really good. And also, speaking of the foundation, foundations being shaken, we're going to go into our conversation with Joseph Sojourner right now. Well, Joseph, we're so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Oh, man, I could not be more excited. Uh, thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah. Just as we get started, you know, why, why don't you tell us a little bit, you know, most of our audience is probably familiar with you, but tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing with Opposite Entertainment. I love it. You guys, you guys are from Ohio, right? This is Ohio, oh, yeah. born and raised. I, I'm I'm born and raised in Ohio, so that means the world to me. Uh, I was born in Akron, moved down to Atlanta, uh, just over. You said what was that? Le- LeBron Land. LeBron. Land. I mean, I was. I mean, I rock your shoes. I got just about every pair of LeBron to the knot. So you know, I've been <laughs> rocking them. Uh, but yeah, moved down to Atlanta. Uh, where I got plugged into a church called North Point uh, Community Church. Uh, started serving there, worked in their uh, student ministry for many years, 
And uh, since then, I've moved on and get a chance to speak a lot to students uh, all throughout uh, the states, um, get a chance to walk with a lot of churches. And through that is really where my heart began to kind of say, hey, where do I have where would I see my place in this in this chapter of the church, you know, in in our generation? And I think we got this really cool time we live in where creatives are now entering in the church and creatives actually have value. And, you know, I just think in in the culture we're living in. I always walk into schools now and I tell students, whether it's universities or high schools, I'm like, listen, your voices matter in the church. And I know you probably never even thought that the church is a place that uses video and graphics and design and environments and how you can build stuff or strive. But we actually love all of that. And so yeah. here I am in this generation that's like creativity is finding its worth in the church where it's not just the pastor and music, but now it's like people actually are valuing other forms of creativity, which makes it exciting. So my company essentially goes uh, and helps organizations and churches design. And we don't just use professionals, but we also take time to walk through halls of schools, find young talent, begin developing them and partnering them with some professionals. So it's, it's cool because it's literally uh, the heart. Uh, it's a business that, yes, it's going to help churches kind of build experiences and programming and videos. But in our week to week, we're also taking the time to pair students, young people who are like, I want to be able to use my gifts in a positive way. But I've never been able to before when we're pairing them with professionals and saying, here's what that would look like. So now I feel like we get a chance to inspire a whole new generation to start seeing the church in a different way through creativity. So I love what I get to do. Opposite entertainment is literally I was thinking ministry. How would I describe it? And I say, well, I guess you could say it's opposite uh, entertainment, even though a lot of what we do is entertaining. So it's kind of a play on the word. So, yeah. Right. And you started the company, right? I started the company, so yeah. You started it. Well, hey, I'm going to read a, a quote. I found this on your website. I just found it to be fascinating. It's in the it's in the bio, and it says this. It says, "Life's not about our destination, but rather our journey." I now create it. I now create to connect people to purpose through messages, music, media, and anything else I can get my hands on. I may have been born sojourner, but I've learned that everyone can journey well. What led to this purpose? Well, like, what talk to us about that? Oh, man. So that's like uh, so you get a chance to create, but you also work in as a high school pastor for for a while. And then you begin to realize that, you know, uh, every single person, whether they're in the church, whether I meet them in the streets in, in, in California, everyone is trying to figure out their journey. And so and everyone wants to journey well, like nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to make all the wrong decisions. Mm. And so. I think what I love about what's happening in in uh, the church right now is there's this the church is just doing this really well and it's saying so a pastor told me this weekend he said look we're here to make it really hard for you to mess up your life and I just loved how he said that I said that is the perfect way to present the church and so I think everyone wants to journey well and the church should be the people in your life that say, we're just here to make sure it's really hard for you to, to screw up your life. That's that's why we're here. Like yeah. We're only asking these questions to make sure we make it as hard as possible for you to screw up uh, your life. Because you don't want to do that, and we don't want it for you. And so uh, I do think it's how do you inspire people through what we're creating? How do you challenge people by what we're saying? And how can you love people by how we walk alongside them? And all those are keys to helping people uh, journey well. And we live in this culture now where it's like you don't want to say anything to offend. You don't want to say anything to to challenge somebody. It's like you just do you. I have no right to speak into it. But reality is who wants a friend that never gives them a suggestion? And who wants a friend that never says, I, I think I see more than maybe what you see right now? I mean, that's what we all deeply crave. But I think 
we just are growing up in this society where we're just also scared to like really truly embrace all that a friend is. And I'm like, why not just own the title friend and be that versus being so scared to fully own it? So I love that. Yeah, so, man. So you're you're kind of in the the what are we gonna call it? Chh, the Christian hip hop scene. Like you're you're you yeah. like you know stuff. Like you know stuff. And, <laughs> and so I wanted to ask you this. So I, I was in church uh, a couple weeks ago, and as you should be, by the way, as a person on, should be. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, the, the listeners know that we, Caleb and I both work in, in churches. By the way, if you didn't know that, Caleb and I, we both work in churches. Anyway, so, so I'm in church, and I, and I heard, I heard this, this person, and they were talking with somebody else, and uh, they, were, they were talking about hip-hop. And they mm. said, you know, hip hop has no place. Like it has no place in church. All they're talking about is drugs, sex, money, violence. Um, it just it has no place in church. Um, and and actually, it's something that we should discourage people from listening to. And just on and on. And you can you can imagine. Um, you can mm-hmm. you can kind of imagine what what that is. And and to me, that just goes counter to to what I, I think. And Caleb too, like what we kind of think. Because I mean, we hang out with with you know. We hang out with Kanye. I'm just kidding. You speak, yeah, speak for yourself. I, I hang out we with Kanye, yeah, Jay-Z, NBI, all of them. Yeah, no, I hang out with them. I'm with you. Right. I mean, maybe on Spotify, but that's fine. Um, so, so, okay. Can can we talk about that for a minute? Like, why is there this perception that that's the truth? And, Man. And, and can we talk about – so can we start there? And then I want to move into more of what, what, can, what can hip-hop do? Particularly, let's talk about – um, Christian hip hop, so CH, the CHH movement, and what? How did we get there, and how can we begin to start to, to reverse that sentiment? Because I think it's a real thing right now. Man, okay, so we could now uh, we could come back and talk about this on a, on another podcast and literally expound on it for for a whole duration. Yeah, but down. I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to keep this in a nutshell, yeah. and I'm looking through two lenses. In the black church, uh, hip hop is is a threat just because as I was growing up pastors and the voices and leaders in the black church found hip hop to be a threat because young people seemingly followed the verses of their favorite rappers before mm. they were quickly to, quick to follow the sermons of their pastors as well as the sermons that were pointing us wow. to the verses of the Bible. And so there was an all out attack. And in, in, in when I was young on from the black churches against hip hop to say, Hey, this is needs to be stopped, cut off, eliminated because it's this, it's taking our voice and, and all these people who are thoughtless are now becoming the leaders of these communities. So that's what's happening in the black church. So that was that was intense in the white church. I think as hip hop has evolved over time in many more suburban markets where the main uh, people that purchased it, hip hop evolved and, and has changed its messaging to begin to cater to its new client. And so now you're getting much more party, relax, do as you want, do what you want to do. You can pop pills, you could do drugs, which begins to play a little bit more into a different demographic or geographic, whatever you might want to consider it. And so I think that this church is like, it's just a bad influence. Like it's a, it's mm-hmm. a terrible influence. They're scared both of, of those lenses, Yes. Both of those lenses are solely looking at the music. And if you're only looking at hip hop culture through its music, then you're missing so much more that there is to offer. Because hip hop literally is a voice of justice. Hip hop fights for the oppressed. Hip hop says that every single person is worthy and deserves to be heard. And so there's so many qualities the church should immediately be drawn to hip hop for and say, like, ooh, this is so many of its qualities are the way that Jesus or what are essentials that Jesus fought for when looking at the people who are the down and out. 
the parts that it begins to go a different direction, of course we can say, yeah, eat the fish, spit out the bones. That's not things that we can endorse. But when you're looking at a hip hop generation, because hip hop is now not just hip hop is the number one genre in the entire world. So it's not just young people's music anymore. It is now 30s and 40s are listening to hip hop as well, because that's the only way it can become number one. When you're looking at a hip hop generation to say we're not even going to, it needs just be cut out, banned, let's not even ever look at it or try to even identify its good qualities, simply loses, make, makes you lose influence with this generation. And that's what's unfortunate about people in the church that say, eliminate it, let's not look at it, nobody talk about it. I'm, I would say that it's going to be extremely difficult for your church and your members to connect with people outside of these walls if you guys isolate yourselves and say, we will not even seek to find what's good in hip hop. We'd rather just cast it away and sail it down the river and say, we want nothing to do with it. And unfortunately, it just it disconnects you with the chance to really uh, connect with outsiders and say, I understand why you may listen to Kendrick Lamar. Even though I don't even though I don't line up or even agree with everything Kendrick Lamar says, I'm a, I'm an adult. I'm able to listen to him and say, I see what he's trying to go for. Yeah. And it's and I'll start this conversation on that. And, and I just think that there's, this generation really values that. Like, yeah. You understand what they find, what their felt needs are, and what their values are. You've been in church world, so you, you're going to get this. Is Does that speak to the – so it obviously speaks to fear, but does that also speak to churches' abilities – to expand their creativity because I feel like, I feel like, I feel like that's a, there's a connection there. Like there's just certain things that they don't ever want to delve into and they kind of broke the rock and roll boundary thing. And so now they're into that, (laughs) but like, there's this thing. Can you talk to that? Like, is there, are you seeing this too, where there's like this barrier where I'm not going to cross into the hip hop realm? Oh man, it's it, 100% it's a barrier. It's, it, it's, it's because there's politics in both worlds. And so, uh, and I'll say that, and I know I might take some heat for it, but I don't mind that at all. I think when you saw many church people turn on Lecrae simply for, and Lecrae yeah. is a Christian, is a, is a hip hop artist who identifies himself as a Christian. Uh, and he began to talk about just his feelings on social injustice yeah. and watching the church begin to turn on him. You quickly realize there are people that literally say the church should be completely separate from this category, this category, this category, this category, and anyone that even tries to say what they feel about it, even if they're trying to choose their words correctly or just start a conversation about it, immediately banned. And so you saw the frustration from Lecrae. A lot of people know about the letter he wrote to the white evangelical church, yep. but it just echoes the same thing. It's because there's so much fear of saying we don't want to cross here. We don't even want to create anything that could even address uh, these issues. Now, now here's where I'll go with that. Um, when we're talking about members of, of the church, especially assuming so many churches are moving into this multicultural space and saying we're inviting different cultures into one building and we want them all to worship Jesus together, each one of those cultures has a felt need. And so I always challenge churches. I say, I know you, it may, I know it may not be safe, but when we're bringing all these cultures in the space, we need to make sure that we are addressing each culture's felt need. And when, when, when one group can walk out and say, all my felt needs were met, I feel great. But another group walks out and says, geez, I feel like three of my felt needs were never even recognized. We're in a tough place as a church, and that's where our conversation needs to begin. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's something that's just imperative in this generation where we're saying we want all these people in one room, but the how. That's the wow. It's like, wow, we've got all these great people. The how is now how do we begin to meet each one of these people's felt needs yeah. as best as we can. Obviously, we know we can't meet every single one, right. but we have right. entire groups that are feeling like it's just – 
subjects are being completely neglected. It's something that we need to at least begin to figure out how to address. Yeah, it reminds me so much, you know, at the time of this recording, the we just recently went to the Orange Conference, which you were at too, Sojo. And it just reminds yeah. me so much of, you know, that's why I love the theme of this year, one voice. And, you know, all throughout the conference, just the idea of, you know, in order for us to be one as the church, we need to be willing to give up our personal preferences. Yes. For it. And being yes. willing to yeah. acknowledge yeah. and submit to one another that, hey, this might this may not speak to me or this may not impact me, but it impacts you. And because it impacts mm. you, I'm going to submit to that. And so you're just getting me excited, man. I love talking about this stuff and learning about this stuff. I have a question because, about uh, – yeah, you know, I love that. No, I mean, because that isn't that what we're all. That's why we're all showing up. That's why we're tithing. That we're we're giving our money. We're literally sending our kids in these programs, and we're volunteering. Most many of us are volunteers. Like we're volunteering. We're, we're all volunteering. We're all tithing. We're all trying to create a space where we can have these conversations. And the church's responsibility is to say, okay, all these people are tithing. All these people are volunteering. All these people need to at least. We need to at least figure out how we can meet their felt needs. And so I'm with you, bro. So question about that. You keep talking about felt needs. Um, just in your experience, I know that at, at the church I'm at right now, we're having this conversation a lot of, hey, you know, the the town we live in, you know, the town that we, you know, we have our, our church in, it, 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 the demographics of the city look like this, mm-hmm. but the church is 80 to 90 percent of the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's 80, 90 percent white. And so the, this conversation is being had of what can, how can we begin to actually serve our community? And you talk about felt needs, and I think yes. one of the things that comes up is, well, there's nothing, there's nothing in churches that would appeal um, at all to other to other people, or they they feel like if I go there, they're going to try to get me to conform to whatever it is that they want to do. Exactly. Are, you, are you seeing churches doing this well? And if so, what are some things that they're doing? Man, I think it is – well, okay, so let's just take creativity. Uh, I was at a church uh, this this past holiday season. It was right around Thanksgiving, and I loved it. Uh, they showed a video of some families during the holiday season, and you saw just the spread. The spread was one family with this spread, and then all their culture wrapped around it. Then the flash to this family with their spread and all their culture wrapped around it. And what I loved about it was when it got to the black family, because I'm an African-American, I said – there's no way that they did not sit down or one of someone who was creating this video was not black because it was so authentic to what my family looks like, sings like, acts like, eats at the table that I immediately felt understood just through a quick moment on a holiday video. So I always say there's so many beautiful moments you can inspire the crowd and they inspire your audience to say, hey, we understand each one of you in, in, in your unique culture. And then I believe when it comes down to the felt needs, it comes down to talking uh, to people in your community and saying, like, how do you see our church? Like, I think what's, what's, what's incredible about one place I was traveling was my Uber driver was a pastor of the major church. And I don't, I still says they don't know why he was driving the Uber because what? his church was massive. And he said, I drive the Uber so that I can ask people who get in my Uber what they think about my church. And he was like, so I oftentimes say, hey, what do you think about this church? And he said, I've gotten the most gut-wrenching, difficult answers I've ever heard that I walk into my uh, to my boardroom with and say, hey, this is how people talk about us. And he's like, it's difficult to hear. And he said, but what's crazy is so many times I'll say, I think 
I think they're going to work on that. You should come to our church on Sunday. He said, and then people will show up on Sunday and that's say, funny. wait, that's the Uber driver. And that and he was the pastor the whole time. And so, but it really was, as he was talking, um, uh, as he was talking, I literally was just thinking, man, that's just the perfect way to, to put it. I mean, if you're not talking to the people in your community, you don't have people at least trying to figure out what the felt needs in the community are and where your church is not lining up with those, then yeah, like your heart can be in the right place, but you just don't have the strategy that you can implement to be able to reach people where they are. Is it a strategy thing? Um, or Because there, there's a heart piece to this too. Um, oh, I mean, there is. Because uh, the, the, there's just this, there's there's this thing of, you know, there's other there's other places where they can go um, to experience that. And, and, and so there's strategy, but there's also a heart thing. Do you? But here's my question: Is is there a way to begin to strategy to strategize around the heart issue, where we can begin to use strategy to kind of infiltrate? Because I feel like we're to the point now where there's almost some strategy now that needs to be created and and started to be implemented to to start to move that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do think the strategies of the heart issue is you have to you have to push people to care uh, because I I think when it comes to oftentimes any majority. A room, and it can be majority black, it can be majority white. Uh, anytime you have a majority based room, uh, in order for them to identify and begin to care about a minority, someone has to stand up and say, Hey, I think we need to take a moment and get outside of our world and look at someone else's world. And so, uh, yeah, I, and I think that just requires vision and it, and it requires maybe stories, pairing it with other people's stories. And then it requires at some point a challenge, a challenge to say, Hey, uh, Empathy is going to be required, um, but understanding is what our goal is and really understanding each other uh, in, a, in a deeper and better way so that we can create a place that everyone feels understood and known. But I do think it starts in the heart, and that's the strategy of people saying, hey, we're not going to be afraid to tackle this. We're going to, we're going to recognize the moments where we feel great about it. I, I was at a church in Alabama, uh, and the pastor said, you know, for the first year ever, we're going to try to celebrate some some uh weeks black history month and we we're gonna take february and he said uh, we're getting a lot of pushback uh people in our congregation are not excited about it but he said why can't we recognize this celebrate this month with the rest of the country and we have members in our community that we think it would really mean a lot to uh, members at our church that it would mean a lot to and so and he said and, and this should be a place where we could be able to recognize uh great african-american contributors to america and so I said, I think that's awesome. I said, now I do think you're going to have to probably cast vision just due to your location, the history of your location, uh, maybe the history of your church to begin to tell people here's why we're doing it. It's, it's something that is our heart's desire, and we love it to be your heart's desire. And, yes, you're going to get some people that may leave the church when you begin asking them to think beyond uh, a place that they've always wanted to kind of camp out in. But, um, but I believe most people are willing to go on this journey just due to how we – I just think technology has just changed so much. Yeah. I get so fired up about it. I said, look, it's definitely not an issue with the next generation. Because as oh, I said, yeah. this generation, they grow up with a perspective right. totally different due to who they're following. So in their pockets, they get a worldview beyond what any of us grew up like. But I really think adults nowadays are, have a widening worldview just due to how technology has impacted them. So I always tell churches, don't be so afraid because they're signing into their – to their news app, and they're getting all those different world perspectives. They're signing in the most apps that they that they'll check out and get 
they're watching TV shows and, and they watch This Is Us and they get <laughs> different perspectives. So I'm like, if TV can do it and, and apps can do it, why can't the, we, we can't be the ones that are too intimidated to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Creatively, mm-hmm. what, sorry. I actually lead the charge. I'll say not do the same thing, but even lead the charge. Yeah. So we should be the ones doing it oh, yeah. uh, even more fervently. I, I was just having a conversation last night and a guy, he said, you know, um, he would love to, to see this because right now it seems like all in, in music, uh, it's, it's kind of secular culture that's kind of leading the way on some of these things. Yep. And, and he Come said, on. you know, we had this discussion basically framed like this. We can't necessarily hold society to the biblical standards that necessarily we follow. But mm-hmm. what we've done is in, in, in kind of saying that and in, in, in living that we've also given up our voice to speak into culture. And he says, Ooh. you know, what we see is Jesus oftentimes he, he doesn't necessarily try to get everybody to adhere to exactly what he's saying, but he'll speak into stuff. And he mm-hmm. was using specifically like uh, the woman at the well and, and, and different, different scenarios like this where, he doesn't he, – he speaks into the culture mm-hmm. and he's condemning something or he's showing a better way or a different way of looking at something. And so it just is interesting because it seems like right now we've given up our voice and I can take that into hip-hop and say um, – you know, we, we were talking before we started recording about the This Is Us. Uh, this Is America. This Is America. <laughs> this, <laughs> this Is, is us. us. Holy this cow. Is two completely <laughs> different things. Very different thing. <laughs> the, the This Is America song and the video that goes along with that and how – you know, it's yeah, he, he basically said it's a shame that um, there are artists in the Christian world who are a little afraid to put something out there like that. And they, he, he wished that they would begin to speak into that. So mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I honestly couldn't agree more. I mean, I think obviously we were not exactly like Donald Glover and this is America. But I do think that we I do think that how free he was to say this is how what I see from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. I'm going to be as raw and real as possible. I think that there's so much space uh, that Christian artists want to begin to to run towards, but oftentimes are too scared. I think what's unique about me is I get a chance to sit in the green rooms with so many Christian bands and, and artists and rappers that I'm like, it. there's so much. We want to be able to create art that speaks into society, uh, but oftentimes, a lot of, a lot of times— uh, you feel the pressure from, well, would would the church understand it? And I, that's why I always tell young people, make it known what you want from from your fans, like Andy Mineo and 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 Hillsong and Elevation Work. I'm like, tell them, like, yell it from the rafters because that that encourages them to say, okay, there's there we have a generation that wants us to begin to speak into it versus a generation that dared us to ever speak into it. Yeah, definitely. Now, Sojo, you also have some kind of exclusive content that you want to share with our audience as well. And so the platform is yours. Uh, what do you mean by exclusive content? You mean like uh, through uh, music? Which one are we talking about? Because I got to. Yeah, just kind of what you said that you were preparing for. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think right now I'm preparing for. Uh, I mean, I'm working on uh, a book and then I'm working on uh, really continuing to grow as I, as I reach these new places and speak to these new audiences, understanding, um, understanding what, what they need and what I have to offer, finding my voice in that. Um, yeah. And then of course, new music. I mean, I'm working, the last album I had was called, am I flying or falling? And uh, this year we're kind of using a different approach and just releasing a couple standalones, uh, in the fall, winter, 
And so I'm really excited about that. Got a great team working with me on that. So are you allowed yeah. to talk about what the book's about? Uh, so the goal, so I have this sermon, it's called, uh, walk the wild side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love it because the goal is to allow people to see, hey, you know, Jesus is saying walk this narrow road. But I said this narrow road leads to life or the other road leads to destruction. And so we're kind of, you know, I say, hey, it's time to choose to walk the wild side. And what does that look like? And so, you know, you get a message, it's 40 minutes or 50 minutes. And and you try to do your best to paint a picture as to what the wild side looks like. And uh, it's so awesome when students raise their hand or stand up or run forward and say, I'm ready to walk the wild side. But I started getting all these emails uh, from students in these towns that are saying, hey, I've been I've been walking the wild side for a month now or two months now, three months now. And uh, you, you didn't talk about the dark times. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm still struggling with this or this. And so I think as I began to listen to the felt needs uh, of, of the young people uh, from universities to high schools that I've been talking to, I, I just realized, hey, why don't you take the time to continue to talk about all the w- things you wish you could have spoken on uh, on that message? Because I do think, yes, you're going to go through dark, dark times, but imagine how wild the view is when you begin to look at it like that. And yes, you're going to have difficult conversations and maybe lose some friends, but here's the wild. Here's how the wild side looks when you begin with those type of issues. So it is me just taking the moment to say, yeah, let me let me try to speak into the rest of what I've seen the wild side looks like from my perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, me too. Now, do you have any do you have any idea of like? Are you thinking later this year, next year? Do you Man, have bro. Idea? So, so here's what's crazy. Like, if you tell me right now to go down uh, to the studio and like make a track, I mean, I can pump a track out. Like, it is. Give me like thirty. I'm like, we get this beat rocking, and I get these verses laid. And so I was talking to like my my author friends, and I said, somebody, you know, I wrote albums, and you write. I'm like, so I'm going to write a book. And they're like, you ever written a book? I said, no, nah, I've never written a book. But, I mean, I write albums. So, I mean, come on, baby. I, I can do this. This book, it, it's so crazy how linear your thinking has to be. And, and it's probably because, you know, when I write a message, you know, you want it to be linear and clear. When you write a book, you're essentially, you have to figure out where you want to begin. But you also have to somehow measure where you're trying to end and what your overall message is. And then you have to work towards that the whole time. Yep. And so it took me two months just to figure out what I believe is my linear road. But, you know, here's what happens. You start writing chapter one, and by the time you get to chapter three, you're like, how are we, where are we going? Now we're going down this road. And so I'm, I'm learning um, the complexity uh, of that, the beauty in that. And uh, I've been reading some books on writing books, and they just like sometimes you need to just go where, where, where your heart is taking you. Uh, and I think in the few chapters I've been doing that, it has definitely changed a few things of what I thought were set in stone, but it made it's made my book really exciting. But I wish I could say I'm hoping for fall. Uh, my, my friends, I told them I said I'm trying to keep me accountable to fall because uh, I know I can I'll, I can always tweak. It's like an album; you can always go back in and say, "Oh, let's change those drums." Ah. But uh, no, I'm feeling like fall is going to be my time. I, I hope I can get it done by like September, October, because uh, I really I really feel like I've got a good a good road right now and. And so I'm pretty excited about it. Sweet. Did you see the thing that John – I think it was John Acuff the other day posted the, the thing that helped him? No. Ooh, I'm about to write this it down. Was an Anne La, it's an Anne Lamott book. I'm pretty sure it was John Acuff. It was either John uh, – Oh, uh, Bird by Bird? Yes. Yes. Listen, so, I, so that book is so good. I, I read it twice. Such a good book. I mean I feel like she just did a – she articulated the process – 
so well and just was gut level honest as to how hard it is, all the feelings you'll feel. I mean, I'm, I'm not even that far into mine, but I'm already feeling. And it's just, it's affirming when you're like, well, she told she told you this was going to happen. And she told you you'd go through this feeling. She told you you're going to have the doubt and, and you're going to hate this chapter a week after you wrote it, but then you'll learn to love it again a week later. <laughs> so it's just such a good book. Yeah, bird yeah. by bird. So you got to take this thing bird by bird. And so I said, that's, yeah, I love it. So, awesome. so I had a question just about creativity. Um, yeah. For you, just uh, this is kind of your thing. Uh, for one, I, let's start here. I would love to hear about your process because you're talking about all these different things that you're doing. So, could you talk to us a little bit about your process? And then the next thing I wanted to know about is um, what what are you seeing that's coming down the coming down the road that people should be kind of looking out for in terms of the creative world? It could be video stuff. It could be whatever. <laughs> um, so, can we start with with just kind of your process and kind of how you do things? Man. Uh... I think that that the process always changes. But here's the greatest thing I learned um, through some personality tests. I think anyone that's that's not Googling, taking some personality tests, I mean, there's so many good ones to take nowadays to kind of learn about yourself. But I think in the past, I thought if I don't if I don't do it myself from the ground up, it's not authentic. Like I need to do it by myself. That was the, my younger days. Uh, and then I just realized that, you know, through personality tests and through experience, I'm kind of crafted to collaborate. And so I think that initially when I'm in the clouds uh, and I'm like, what are all my options? It's good for me to put some other people in the room, no matter what it is, video, writing, uh, even sometimes sermon prep. I mean, I'll say I'm thinking of a series and I'll say, I think I could do three parts that it can go here. And I'll pull some other people in the room and just say, um, can I, can I just dream all the stuff and get messy and look stupid and make mistakes and I think when you begin to surround yourself with people that begin to learn you and understand you, that's my first process is, is saying, hey, um, I work well saying that I can be I can be aided by others in, in, the, in stage one. And then I think the second stage is deadlines. I think I have to then give myself deadlines after I have that initial meeting and I get everything across my whiteboard because I love a whiteboard. Give me a marker and a whiteboard and I can be in there all day. But after I get all of it on there. It's really establishing those deadlines and then sticking to it and, and doing bit by bit each day. Uh, and it's 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 always refining because I'm like, I think as creativity continues to grow, like you just are, it's hard to put it. Sometimes you sit down and it's like, be creative from, from 9 to 12. And then you're like, that did not work out today. Be creative from 9 to 12. Well, let's just be real. I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, like, even when we do, like, a creative meeting at church, we used to do it all the time. We used to say, okay, we're going to have a creative meeting for our summer camp, and that's going to be Thursday at 3 o'clock. Everybody come and be creative at 3. And you get in the room, and then you're like, why can't we create these stellar ideas, people? We aren't coming up with these ideas where reality is. You're probably going to come up with the best idea on your ride home or in the shower or on your run. And I'm like, and so I do think, my next step, I always tell, I always tell myself, is be ready because it'll happen when you least expect it. And I'll sit at my desk all day and and, and hack away what I'm hoping will be uh, great. But then the next day while driving, I have to remain open to an idea coming in that is better than what I spent two hours on. And then I have to come back to my office again and 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 delete delete what I had yesterday just because of my, I do think the process is you you might have scheduled a time to say this is when I'm going to write this, but you have to remain open to the time when the idea really hits. And I think that that took a long time for me because I was too scared. I was like, hey, I already wrote it. 
And then an idea would come sometimes the night before, you know, a, a message. And I was just too scared to, to invite it in because I said, I've already finished. I was too, too scared to alter the script because I felt like I already reached the finish line. And I feel like the more you're, you're open to saying, Hey, I'm willing to now don't get me wrong. There's, there's a point like when it's the day of, you can all need to keep tweaking, but I do think it is, it's that ever flex. It's that tension. You're forever going to manage as to what's the process of uh, flexible yet structured uh, creativity in that book did, did a really good job of kind of capturing the creative process by the president of, uh, of Pixar and how they are able to keep build structures and say, here's what our process looks like. Yes, we use deadlines to squeeze out creativity, but we also create margin and flexibility so that they still have room to kind of have free, free thinking. So it's kind of a messy process that every creative is down and look at us and what's your process? What, what does that look like? And then you got to try and build it, build a good space for them. Yeah. Joseph, just as we're wrapping up, one question that we always love to ask people is what are you learning right now? Uh, which kind of is wrapping into what they, what's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. That is, uh, I'm walking through schools again, and I'm, I'm like, what What are y'all seeing? What are the trends? I'm, I'm reading a lot as far as tech technology blogs. Uh, obviously, I think AR. Uh, I think in the next five years, AR technology will probably kind of enter the conference world because it allows us to do so much uh, beyond just the physical eye. Uh, so I'm excited about what that's going to look like. I think VR technology uh, down the road could be used in some aspects mm. um, to just enhance. Uh, and I think just really learning methods of what it takes in the experience of a Sunday morning, because I do think what's difficult is a lot of people say, I can stay at home or I can watch it on my phone. But there's something that some churches are doing well that said, hey, this is what people are coming into our walls, gathering as a community and they're saying this the experience we're getting is irreplaceable. And what what essentials are needed to start creating an irresistible experience uh, on a Sunday morning that makes people say, I wanna I wanna get in my car and drive versus stay in my bed and watch my Apple TV. So I think I'm learning all of that right, right now. Well, Joseph, thanks so much for being on the Learner's Corner podcast today. If people want to continue to learn from you, you know, where can they find you? So uh, I am Sojourner on all social media. I'm on Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram's probably my main, and Twitter's my next. But I am Sojourner. Uh, that is my name. And then josephsojourner.com. Those are the two easiest ways to get in contact with me, but also kind of follow along on the journey and reach out. And uh, I always, always check my DMs on all those things to reply to people's questions and connect people with people that they're looking for. So I love it, y'all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been great talking with you. Okay, Todd, I feel like we just left that conversation and made a new friend. We did make a new friend. I love I, I love Sojo. Um, to ask me the question you need to ask me, because I'm just going to go if you don't. What did you learn? So um, it, it wasn't something I learned so much as something that I thought while I was listening um, to the conversation, because guys, I do the editing, so I listen to these conversations. Um this idea of what the future church is going to look like. And, and I think that there's an evolution right now that's going to have to take place in the church. And it's one that's very painful and we can already see it happening right now. And that is a lot of cultural stereotypes, a lot of things that we believe to be true um, about churches. Uh, what Martin Luther King Jr. said is still true today, that the most segregated hour of the week is Sunday mornings. And that's true for a lot of churches. And it's in most cases, it's not even intentional. And so just something that I kept thinking about is there's an evolution of that the church needs to make that is coming. 
Like, this isn't something like it might happen. It is coming. And there's a lot of adjustments. A lot of things are going to need to happen to be able to begin to make it so that we can begin to have all sorts of cultures represented in our church buildings and be able to tap into all of those. And really, for what? For the betterment of the kingdom, right? I mean, this is this is the evolution that's coming. Yeah, I like I liked how he said it. Is that what are we doing to address the felt needs of each different culture? Yeah, throughout all of this and asking converse and having conversations with people, right? That's what that is. Yep, and yeah. Hashtag boom. Hashtag boom. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. We it was a phenomenal. It was good. It was really good. And not because of us, because of Sojo. But we have a great episode for you on... Todd thinks it was because of him. Um, But we have a great episode for you coming up in just a couple of days. Because remember, we're releasing two episodes a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout the entire month of June. And this upcoming Thursday, we're going to be talking with Seth Stevens Davidowitz. And we're going to be it's talking. Gonna be fun. We're going to be talking with him about his book, "Everybody Lies and Big Data." If you don't know what that is, Google it. Bum bum bum. This is going to be fun. So the best way to make sure you don't miss that next episode is by subscribing to our podcast. Hit that on button. Whatever podcast player you use. The best way, if this podcast has helped you in any way, the best way to show your support and let us know how we're doing is by leaving us a rating and writing a review of the podcast on iTunes. It is literally the best way that you can let or share on social media. Let us know what you're learning. Share the episodes with people who are helpful. Maybe you listened to today's episode and you thought, man, I really know somebody who needs to listen to this episode. Or you were like, Caleb is awesome. Or that too. Um, Share it with them. It's the best way to help conversation, much needed conversations like these begin to spread. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Learners Corner Podcast. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name is Todd Ixenball. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.